0: Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Hey everyone, another Tuesday in the basement, digging into God's Word. It is Cinco de Mayo today, and I know I saw some turkey thon, some ground turkey thon downstairs which can only mean one thing at the community house, it's taco night. So we're celebrating with taco night. Hopefully you have some sort of Cinco de Mayo celebration planned. Hopefully some good food. Don't know how you do it. Um, but celebrate Cinco de Mayo, even when we're at home. Let's do this. So today we are digging back into John 8. We are cooking through John you know, slow and steady the way it needs to be. So, we are going to pick up in John 8 verse 38 I think is where we're going to where we're going to start here. Yeah, Jesus says something there that really applies to what we're going to talk about. Last week we talked about Jesus his statement about freeing us from this slavery to sin. We talked about how we really are slaves to sin and and hopefully over the weekend you were able to evaluate what am I a slave to that maybe I'm unaware of? Because these Jews, these Pharisees, these scribes that Jesus was talking to were obviously blinded in more ways than one. But how are we blinded? And hopefully you've had a chance to wrestle with that a little bit. Um, If not, I encourage you to. But here we go. Verse 38, we're digging into God's word. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father they answered him abraham is our father jesus said to them if you were abraham's children you would be doing the works abraham did but now you seek to kill me a man who has told you the truth that i heard from god that is what that is not what abraham did You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So Jesus makes some pretty, what some would call harsh statements within this text. But I think it's very important to dissect what is actually going on here, because it it really heavily applies to our lives, too, and understanding where we stand. At this time, as we've talked about, they put a lot of investment, of value, of identity in where you came from. And in identifying the three fathers that they're talking about here, we start with Abraham. Jesus says, I speak of what I have seen with my father. And you do what you have heard from your father. That's, that's sort of the, the statement that we're going we're gonna to dissect here, but, but all the other verses are an explanation of what he's saying there. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus goes on to say, Abraham is not your father because you are not doing what Abraham did or would do. And why is Jesus saying this? because from the beginning, it says in Colossians 1, as well as uh, Hebrews 1, it says that Jesus was a part of creation. In, in Colossians, it says he is the vessel of all creation. In Hebrews, it says, through Jesus, all things were created. So we know that Jesus was present because he's part of the three persons of God, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, God the Father. Um, it is his will that the Son carries out, and the Spirit um, of God comes and, and, and fills us and helps us, right? So the Spirit is, is the way that the Father and the Son delight in one another. So that's sort of a, a rundown of the Trinity. Um, but we see that they are pointing back to Abraham. And what they are pointing back to is it is our right. It is where we come from that we would be holy. They're pointing back to Abraham because it was promised to Abraham. When Abraham was in a desperate situation, he said, God, would you, would you help me? Would you bless me with a son? This is all in Genesis. Would you bless me with the sun? And, and God comes back and promises, your line, your sons and daughters, your generation, the generations that come after you will be like the sand, will be like the stars. And through your seed, through your offspring, through the generations that come from you, all the world will be blessed. Now, they're clinging to that. They're clinging to that promise. They're finding their identity in Abraham. They're finding who they are in Abraham, which which is fine. But they're directing the focus on themselves, that they are something. And Jesus is saying, you don't get it. You have created these laws to the Pharisees. You've created this structure, this culture of the way we live, the way you live where you're elevating the things that you do. But it's to elevate you. And Jesus is saying that is not what Abraham would do. You have no idea who your father is because you don't know the character of your father. It says in Genesis that Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness. It it even affirms that in the New Testament, that Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness, that he was righteous, that God walked with him, that God talked with him, that God guided him, and he obeyed his faith. He he heard what God said. It affected his life, and he operated in that way. And Jesus is saying, in a subtle way, he's talking about his omnipresence and his omniscience that he knew Abraham, that he walked with Abraham, that he had a relationship with Abraham. And he's like, you have no idea who this guy is. Because if you did, if you observed his thought processes, if you observed what he lived for, what he stood for, your lives would look completely different. And he's calling out this idea of a father. We see in Ephesians 6, it says the Bible calls men specifically fathers to disciple or discipline and instruct their children in the lord now this isn't punishing your children in the lord somehow we've gotten mixed up this idea of disciple or discipline and punishment that it's one and the same but a discipline is learning how to to practice doing having healthy rhythms in your life right And how, as a father, do you learn these things? It's by looking at Christ, right? Which we'll get to. But as a father, you're to discipline and instruct your children in the Lord. Point your children to the Creator. Point the processes and the rhythms of life that are good and healthy. And and point you in, in a healthy direction and a healthy purpose. It's in the Lord that we find these disciplines. And as a father, if you're a father out there, like... That is your goal with your children, to discipline them in the Lord, disciple them in the Lord, if that's easier for you to understand. And so this was well known that, that when you when you spend time with your father, when you're raised by a dad, right? I'm going to use the word dad because it gives sort of an earthly sense of our earthly fathers. It, it goes back to verse 38 where it says, I speak of what I have seen with my father. When you spend time with your dad, when you're a child, you you watch what your dad does. You listen to how he talks. You observe the way he does things. I'm in a parenting class because I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and I need all the help I can get. Kim and I, we a lot of times are like, we don't know what to do here. So we signed up for a parenting class. If you're a parent, it's good and healthy um, to work. Towards mastership, even if you never get there, um, always learn, never graduate from student. Always be a student of what you're called to do. Um, so we're learning these things, and one of the weeks was simply about a, a father's touch. and how when you as a dad, pat your kids on the back, give them a high-five, uh, hug them, kiss them on the forehead, when you interact physically in a healthy way with your children it has statistically a wild amount of of emotional benefits of psychological benefits and developmental benefits and so we're seeing that that there is a huge benefit to this interaction between fathers and their kids. And, it, and it's from that relationship. And I'm, that's just physical touch. And the sad part about our culture is that the statistic is that one in four children, if you gr- grab four children, one of them lives in a household without a father. Because fathers see this calling or, or, or feel this calling from the Lord or, or it's something that's placed in us that, that we would disciple, that we would raise, that we would be an example to our children. And it becomes so daunting or whatever in life and we just take off. And because of that, we have children who have nothing to see as an example. And I, I sort of see these Jews that he's talking to in the same boat. They they aren't seeing what Abraham actually did. They're looking at these laws that they can profit off of, either in, in their own popularity or financially. They've manipulated these laws to a point where they can elevate themselves rather than looking at the character of who Abraham was. He was... His legacy was obedience and hearing the voice of the Lord. But they don't see that. And Jesus is calling that out. And when you look at somebody's character and it affects who you are, it changes what you do. And that's why Jesus says, what you do is not what Abraham did. You are not being obedient. Your hearts are not aligned with the heart of God. Like Abraham's was, he wasn't a perfect guy, but his heart was in the right place, right? And he's calling that out. And then, as they try to lean into the fact that there was conspiracy around his birth, or or you know the drama around his birth, maybe not. Maybe conspiracy is the wrong word. Drama around his birth, and that you know that Mary was a virgin. So there was speculation that maybe Jesus was born out of sexual immorality, but they're just trying to get him tilted and get him off topic. But really he's sending into the heart of the issue. He's sending into the heart of the issue saying, listen, if you looked at Abraham's character, if you witnessed who he actually is and where his heart was, the way you'd be operating would be different. And so from that formula and seeing the works that you perform, he draws back to, this is who your, your father really is. He keeps saying, your father. You do the works of your father. And then it finally comes out in verse 44, it says, you are of your father, the devil, which is a harsh statement, right? Right? He says, your father is the devil. And this is how I got there, guys. He says, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So he says from the beginning. This is what the devil is marked by. From the beginning, he takes Adam and Eve. Right? There's this mysterious character which, you know, we equate to the devil, uh, Satan, whatever it may be. It's this evil entity. And and there's only two animals within the Bible that ever talk which is this this donkey in Numbers 22. If you want to know about that, read read that story. I think it's verse 28 or something like that. But just read Numbers 22 and you'll get the gist of it. But also this serpent. There's a lot of mystery around it. Uh, the Bible Project has a series, I think, on sort of supernatural creatures or creatures we find in the Bible. and And they had some thoughts that were really helpful around this and really the idea of serpents in the Bible as well. But... Just if you want to dive into those things more, Numbers 22, as well as, uh, I, I can't give you a reference on the Bible Project, but they've, they've, in their podcast somewhere, they talk about it. But there's this mysterious character, this, this serpent, which we always equate to the devil because, and, and we see Jesus drawing that line that the devil from the beginning was a murderer, So he's pointing back to the beginning and where we see murder being born is really in this moment where the serpent is talking to Adam and Eve and they are living in the purpose of God. They are living in the image of God. They are bearing his image. They are the most like God that that humanity can be. They are in the utopia of what God created us to live in. And the devil comes, or the serpent comes, and says, you want to be like God? You want to be like God? Granted, remember, they are like God. It says in Genesis 1 that they were made in his image. They were like God already. And he says, you you want to be like God? Break his commandments go on break his commandment and you'll be like him that was the ultimate temptation it's not knowing good and evil it's you want to elevate yourself so as these pharisees and scribes are are using the character or using the name of their father, Abraham, to elevate themselves, right? They're using the name of Israel to elevate themselves. Adam and Eve were guilty of the same thing. They listened to the lie of the serpent to elevate themselves when they were the greatest they could be before that decision. Living in the image of God. So what happens? The serpent is lying in this moment, which is what Jesus is calling out. And through that lie, it birthed death. I would call that a murder. Maybe some of you would argue with me. I would call that murder. Deceiving someone into, in essence, killing themselves, right? That's, that's murder. He talked us into death. He, the serpent talked us into death. And from that, then humanity was not rooted in God, but rooted outside of truth, outside of the word, outside of God's plan and his purpose for our lives. So he says, from these works, so the first father is Abraham, and you take so much pride in Abraham, but you don't do the works of Abraham. So the first father was Abraham. The second father, he draws from the works that they are doing as they are plotting to murder him, right? Plotting to kill Jesus as they are lying through their teeth, as we saw last week saying, we have never been captured. We have never been enslaved to anything. Just the historical and political evidence shows just the opposite. And they stand outside of the truth. Through these works, I can see that your father is not Abraham. Your father is the devil. You are in dangerous territory here, guys, is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I see it all over you. I knew Abraham. I know Abraham. I know his character. And guess what? Whoever is of God hears his wo- hears the words of God and knows that would know that Jesus is, is from God would know that Jesus is from God why because when you are with God when God is your father you know his character so how does this work out how does this play out how do we align ourselves so that we are of God or or children of him so that he is our father And I just want to encourage you with this, no matter where you're at, as far as your earthly dad, I know I said all that stuff about, about, man, the huge developmental, uh, psychological, emotional benefits of having a dad in your life, having a dad's touch in your life, healthy touch. And maybe some of you had a dad who was abusive in some way. Like, I'm sorry, my heart breaks for that, but I'm telling you right now, your father Can be God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, He can be your Father, that God. And it comes back to verse 38 where it says, I speak of what I have seen with my Father. What I have seen with my Father. And there's a beautiful scripture in John 15 that sort of gives this picture that's really helpful for us to understand how does God become our father? How is God where we come from, the root of what we do? How does our works look like the works of God? How do we know the character of God? In John 15, 1, it says this, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of my word, which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing so beautiful we see in this in this picture we see he says that you are already clean because of the word which i have spoken to you jesus is it says in john 1 the word became flesh jesus is is the word become flesh, right? It's God's word become flesh is who Jesus is. And so the work of Jesus, as he worked on this earth, as he worked on the cross, as he worked in, in resurrecting from the dead, that is how we become clean in the word, which is Jesus Christ. And then you have this Father. As you come to Jesus, as you lay everything down, and it says at the very end of this, you can do nothing without me. And a lot of us maybe are striving, trying to do things on our own, but when you realize you need Jesus, you need help, you need a loving Father, you need Him, you need God, and you come to Him and you lay everything at His feet, it says the Father is the vine dresser, and anything that shouldn't be there, he. He'll peel it off of you. He'll cut it away. But the good parts of you, he prunes and makes them more fruitful. Man, who doesn't want that for their life? But there's something that it takes. We can't be an individual branch off on our own. But we need to abide in him. And practically, what does that look like? It looks like hearing his word. Seeing who the Father is. I picked up my Bible last night and I showed my daughter, Ella. I I, I told her, Ella, whenever you want to read this book together, I would love to. Because this book, from front to back, is not about what we need to do. But it's about who God is. And when we pick up the Word of God, the Bible, and we read it, And then we talk to that same God. We learn his character. We learn who he is. And then we speak to him. And he speaks to us. And he guides our life just like he guided Abraham. That when we know the character of God, when we see our father, when we see with our father, we are formed by him. We are transformed by him. That is how we become like God. That is how we, we are formed into his image. That is how we become children of him. It's by looking at our father, seeing him, discovering more about him, knowing him more, talking with him, asking him to, to cut back the areas of our life that we know are destructive and harmful. How do we know that the voices in our head are not our fathers and not the enemies? Well, if those voices lead you to a place that is destructive and bringing death and hurt, then you know it's probably not of God. And guess what? God, he spoke through burning bushes. He spoke through a pillar of fire. He showed up through powerful visions to prophets. He spoke through angel, angelic messengers, and he spoke audibly. If God is speaking to you you know he is speaking, and if you are not hearing that, he has, has his word that has been written and formed and protected through all of history. I can't tell you the number of men who have tried to wipe the Bible off the face of the earth, but it's there and it exists because it shows us who God is, and we need to know who he is so that we can abide in him. We need it. It's like air to us as humanity. And I believe in this text, Jesus is calling out a condition of these, these Jews who were trying to do it on their own, outside, they were trying to be branches disconnected from the vine. And God is calling us to abide in him, to be children of him. My encouragement as, as we head into this week, John 15, would you sit down in a place and quietly read that and meditate on it for a little bit? Would you evaluate your life? How, how can you form your life into a lifestyle of abiding? I'm not talking just a moment in the morning where you open up scripture, but how can you commune with the Father throughout the day, know him, love him, experience him in life? And it may take baby steps. It may take starting with a little Bible reading in the morning. A little bit of prayer. God, would you help us in this? Would you help us to abide in you? Would you give us a desire to abide in you? Because I know many of us struggle with that. Just the desire to read your word. And, and really the lenses. Would you give us lenses to see That this book is about who you are and not what we have to do or achieve to be loved by you. Would you reveal yourself to us through your word, through your voice, through powerful experiences with you, we want to encounter you. We love you and we need your help in this. Would you go out and bless those who are hearing this, that we would be able to adopt a lifestyle of abiding. We love you, God. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. It is so great to spend a little bit of time on Cinco de Mayo with you. Have fun celebrating, and we will talk again on Friday. I'm really looking forward to it.